the Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Knowing. Uh, Alison, doesn't it feel like it's been a long time since we've been here? It has been a long time. It's We're coming up on a year. It actually has, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. I meant like since the last time we were recording, but oh, that, I mean, I that part is, yeah. Doing some <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It has almost been a year. Yeah, that's crazy. And and but yes, it just feels like it's been a long time since uh, I suppose we've been in this space together. You know yeah. something I forget to tell you all the time, and I hope people listening don't hear this as me bragging or anything. But we have been showing up on top listening podcast lists in Iceland, Belgium, Mexico, um, to- or Japan, Korea, Brazil. Wow. Canada, the United States, like all over the world. And and yeah, and England, Australia, New Zealand. Um, yeah, like it's it's pretty trippy to me a little bit that I'm like, oh God, there's there's people actually listening to this. Like, what are we what are we doing? I know, I forget but, that all of the time. Like, thank God I have no access to look at any of that stuff because some like right, the Scorpio right. moon in me is like, oh my God, so many right. people know all my uh-huh. deep inner work. That's oh yeah, wild. it's not just actually you and I sitting here and chatting with each other like we usually do. Yeah, no, like people actually listen to this. So. That's wild. Thanks everyone yeah. who's listening. Um, yeah, it's it's super cool and and just such a trip to be like, how do people come across it? You know, because can't say I do any you know, promotional <laughs> stuff or whatever. Right. So right, it just somehow shows up and and then I get these messages from people being like, oh, this is so cool and I feel like I'm really good friends with you guys and uh, uh, really, it feels good. That is very sweet. I I get no messages. My friends will reach out occasionally (laughs) and I'm like, oh yeah, like my friends can listen Uh to this. So that is a trip. So everyone listening, please message Allison. Just send her a little quick note, (laughs) you know? Maybe it's good that I don't know you're out there. Right, right, totally. I mean, we do, uh, I do, especially, um, I don't know if you've ever checked out the messages on Apple Podcasts, but like people leave really beautiful reviews um, and we, I so appreciate that. And if you ever do feel inclined, those of you listening to leave a review, that's, it is deeply appreciated on this end. So thank you for everyone that has. So yeah, it's really cool. That is very cool. It's like this, this invisible kind of community that I really do hope at some point in the future feels more visible. Like, I mean, once we have the opportunity to actually maybe sit together in in real spaces in physical yeah. form, you know, actually when we meet, it'll be, it'll be amazing and, and have an actual <laughs> physical experience of I each know. other, you know? Yeah. Yes. I heard so. David, my boyfriend, I heard David telling his brother about, you and he's like, yeah. She's never even met her. I'm like, would you would you stop leading with that, please? <laughs> it's like, let me frame how weird this relationship is for you first. You know, of like, know. this is just someone I randomly met on the internet. So <laughs> it wasn't, but random. have known each other for I years suppose. at this point. Yeah, totally. I know it's pretty crazy. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's neat to be doing this project. It's neat to have the 
the evolution of it too. And, and um, yeah. again, to anyone listening, you know, the feedback is invaluable in terms of like things you'd love for us to explore or discuss and, and topics that are of interest to you. Um, that gives us some guide on, on where to go. So otherwise we tend to just, you know, flail all over the place and, and see what comes out of it. So, <laughs> but yeah, how are you today? I'm good. I I feel good. I feel like it's been, um, yeah, just, I mean, constantly surfing. I feel like that is what this all Mm. feels like, that it's up and down. And, you know, you ask me one week and I'm great. And you ask me the next week and I'm just Mm -hmm. trying to not cry (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. that. So I'm still in that space. How are, how are you doing? Um, yeah, I, (laughs) I think I'm generally okay. I, I, I have been up since one o'clock this morning, laying in bed, um, uh, doing the thing that is the, I would call it the the crutch of CL in this incarnation and lifetime is my propensity for exceptional levels of worry. And mm. it's like my brain, I don't know if you, un, I'm sure that you can, can commiserate with this, Allison, and I'm sure people listening can commiserate. But we we have these triggers. I think they're very unique to each of us. You know, the things that our brain loves to do, you know, um, mm. sometimes it's like, oh, we love to sit and be pissed off at people, you know. And and so it's almost for me when my brain is is starting to go on that kind of track that it loves to go on. Um, I can feel it. Like, it's like I'm coming up to the edge of a cliff and I'm like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then I either jump or sometimes, you know, I can catch myself usually in the daylight. I can catch myself in the middle of the night. I'm just freaking hopeless most of the time. Um, but mine is worry. And I like go into this, like playing out of, uh, circumstances in the future and and trying to anticipate like what I'm going to need to do and and what's going to happen and how you know the whole thing is going to unfold and I mean so so very predictably a trauma response and and this desire to control but yeah I just I think I realized at about 3 30 after laying in bed for two and a half hours just like panicked um, that I might be doing too many things right now. <laughs> so mm. It might be possible that like it, it, it has something to do with the choices I'm making in my life, that my inability to navigate <laughs> stressful situations, like my goddamn dog eating the chicken eggs, you know, like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was lying in bed worrying about was the stupid dog eating the chicken eggs. Um, but then it just obviously morphed into a whole bunch of other things. So, so yeah, I feel, um, I feel... Uh, like I'm in one of those spaces where I'm taking a fairly careful um, consideration of how I'm spending my time and what I'm spending my time on and and the type of life I suppose I want to be living at this moment, which I know seems very vague, but I um, as I've shared with you, Alison, I have this amazing ability to get busy beyond any level of busy that should be happening for I think a human being and it's just like it's it's this weird addiction for me where I just go oh okay here's something else across my path and then you know people come to you and go do you want to do this and I I just say yes and it's not it's not out of guilt it's not out of a, a sense of obligation it's truly that I'm like oh that sounds awesome like mm-hmm. I should go do that you know until I am in the position that I'm in right now which is like I'm in full-time school. 
Um, and I work full time, more than full time. I have two young kids, you know, 160 acre property that we have to manage. I'm the chair of the local school board. I we just released or re- recorded an album. I'm putting out the deck as a relaunch. Like it's literally like I'm like what am I doing? This is nuts. So yeah, yeah. sorry to download on you. It's you can be my therapist. No, okay. I'll take it. Finally, we'll make the yellow cry. Um. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, this is not this is not gonna take too much this morning for sure. So yeah, no, it's it's like a oh man, what do I? Why do I? Tell me why I do this, Allison. <laughs> Well, hmm. Figure me out, please. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I am curious what, I mean, when you think of rest, what does that bring up for you? Like, just like an actual day off doing nothing. Well, see, those of you listening who have children realize that that's not a real thing yeah. when you have kids. So the problem is that, like, since having children, you know, rest... I mean, rest is the the moments of of prayer and solitude that I have in the sauna in the morning, mm-hmm. um, which are invaluable for sure. Um, I sleep generally quite well, unless my brain is you know hooked on to something that it wants to spaz out about, and and then I don't have a good sleep. But usually, I, I fall asleep, and I I mean, my child wakes up every hour, but um, I I tend to rest pretty well. The challenge, I suppose. I even went to my acupuncturist recently and she she was reading my energy system and she said, you know, it's really weird. Like, you're not the same as you used to be because I used to do these kind of, I'd get busy like this and it had a compulsive quality, you know, informing why I was doing everything that I was doing. Like there was a panic in it and I don't feel the panic anymore. Mm. What happens for me now is that it's like, it's just... Um, this quote, which I've referenced before, that really, it just plays out all the time of, for me is like that on the, the warrior's path, there is not good nor bad. There's just challenges. Challenges mm-hmm. are just challenges, you know, and our job is to meet them. And so my tendency in the space that I am in right now is like, oh, somebody wants you to do this. And I, I go, well, that's a challenge. Like, sure, let's, let's go do that. Right. And And so it makes sense on that kind of philosophical level of like, oh, this is going to add to growth. But I do know that I can, you know, I can approach and, and engage with growth in a in a truly addictive manner where it's like, oh my God, it, it it just feels so good when you like have a revelatory experience or you figure out something about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, which I think all experiences lead you to. And uh and yeah, the that part is is always tricky for me to go, you know, can I just sit still and and like is that is that possible? But in my lifestyle right now, it's not possible. It's like you got two dogs. I have this goddamn cat that periodically decides to <laughs> piss all over the house and, and like took a poop right in the middle of my brand new queen flower or uh, feather duvet on the bed the other day. Like I literally put the blanket out and he walked in the room and took a gigantic cat poop right in the middle of the bed. And I was like, what the f- fuck like what what is this and and how do I navigate this and I'm like is this a challenge or is this a sign you know like and and oh blah so anyway sorry I'm I'm rambling a bit because it's just yeah my brain is like 
do I do I scale back? And it's it's also really hard where, I mean, I'm busy because I love being in service to people. I love the work that I do. And I mean, I was sharing with you, Alison, yesterday that like I got six new clients in one day last week on, on Thursday. Right. And like, what do you say to people when you've made the commitment as, you know, in the Bodhisattva Oath to be of service? And, and so my thing is like, well, you can do that. Come on, you've got a bit of energy. You've got a bit of space. Like, go do it, mm-hmm. right? And... And so it's hard to draw those like boundaries because, again, it's not a boundary that I feel like I need to do um, because otherwise I'd do it, you know, compulsively. I'd say yes compulsively. I want to say yes. I want to be in service, you Mm -hmm. know. So it's it's always a a navigation for me lately. So where does the worry come in? Um, (laughs) There's the interesting aspects of that. I recently did some counseling with my mother, which was a very excellent and beneficial process and something that I'd wanted to do for quite a long time. Um, In the shamanic tradition, we talk about uh, this sense, this experience of emancipation where, and I think we've talked about this on the podcast a bit, where we become the full parent to ourselves and we actually release the the uh, energetic cords in a sense that tether us to our, our parents. And, you know, those are established when we come into this world, before we come into this world. They help keep us safe and give us some guidelines and grounding. But at some point, especially if we are pursuing the path of power, we're going to be releasing them. And when we release them, we release our parents uh, the responsibility that they have to, you know, parent us basically. And we mm-hmm. say, I'm going to parent myself now. And so this, uh, when we release the energetic cords, this doesn't happen all the time, but Alice Miller, the psychotherapist, wrote a lot about this in uh, The Drama of the Gifted Child and a couple of her other books. And uh, she said, you know, there's going to be this storehouse of of anger and frustration and sadness that did it went unexpressed in childhood because we weren't allowed to get pissed off at our parents you know they were right. the adults and we had to kind of go along with their their stuff and and so I went into counseling with my mom sorry this is a bit of a long story but went into counseling with her told her you know stuff that she did and said that really hurt me and in that kind of therapeutic space you know had the opportunity to say that without it being like, oh, well, let me explain myself from her, you know, just to have it heard. Because we don't we don't bring our wounds to our parents when we are seeking true emancipation with going, well, now you fix it, right? Or you make it better, right? Because then we're still asking them to parent us. We go with the wounds and say, I want you to help me witness this because this hurt, but you can't do anything about it. Neither your past self nor your present self can, mm. can mitigate the pain that I'm experiencing, right? So I did that with her and it was amazing. And this crazy shift happened in me, like immediately. <laughs> and the, the most awful part of that was that now I'm responsible to all parts of myself, Alison. And mm. like, so within two days of doing this, the this freaked out seven-year-old CL was there and she was like in 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 like bed with me basically you know like this part of me that was so panicked my whole childhood I was just nuts at night like Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep I was just worried all the time 
And and so now I'm responsible for her. And I'm laying in bed, you know, the first time that she showed up basically going, okay, I need parenting. And I'm like, oh God, I want to give her back to mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> Take she's her back. so difficult. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, and I had so much compassion for my mother, you know, I was like, oh mm. my God, how did you deal with me? Like, I was, because I mean, the panic, the fear I feel is immense like it is it is all encompassing can't breathe can't move like I get paralyzed by it mm. you know so it's but I'm learning how to to talk to her and, and work with her and, and learning different techniques and stuff so it's just I, I've taken on a new phase of uh, relationship I suppose with that inner part of myself so. yes I actually feel like that's kind of the most frustrating part about this work in a lot of ways is that it's mm. like to accept full responsibility and it kind of feels like there's just more and more and more and more totally. and it's just kind of like no I just want to point the finger out sometimes yeah <laughs> like can I please this is definitely blame? someone else's fault <laughs> uh-huh and, it's, and, and it's I mean wild. yeah that that's the it is it's so wild and it's it's so nuanced and complex in that experience of saying this hurt me you know this caused pain in my being and I now accept responsibility for the healing of that right and and that's like to be able to hold ourselves in that space is is exceptionally difficult and the reality I mean as I experience it that when we take responsibility for ourselves you know parenting us is hard right (laughs) parenting you know we are not easy creatures nobody is an an easy Uh, kind of simple being we are complex we don't make sense to other people we have needs that Mm -hmm. you know people can't anticipate and and so even parenting ourselves is is very complex the the shift that I feel that I I truly believe has to happen uh, along this path is one that we've referenced before you know but just to articulate again it's a shift away from linear logical uh, sort of processes in healing you know of like oh I'm going from this place to the place where I have an absence of discomfort fear anger whatever Mm -hmm. you know like we've we've said okay the point of this is to get to this place where I don't experience this anymore and so long as we have that sort of storyline embedded in our approach to healing we're going to be eternally frustrated, right? Because mm-hmm. we're never going to get to that point. I'm never going to get to the point where I am free of this part of me that had this fear. She is, and I say that knowing that I may be proven wrong, who knows, but I'd rather maintain that position of just knowing that she's going to show up when she needs support and love and medicine. And my job is not to go, oh, fuck you again. Like, mm. what are you doing here? And and I thought we already dealt with you, right? But to say, okay, this is what needs my love and attention. And, and I'm not always going to do the best job of it by any means. But I'm I'm not going to frustrate myself by going, oh my God, I can't believe this is going on again. I was re- listening to a podcast or a, uh, uh, some course that I'm taking yesterday, and they were talking about um, the idea of toxic recoveryism, where mm. you know we we look at healing as like, oh, you're going to end up as this end state where you're all nice and tidy and you're all done and you're great and you're manifesting good things and you know like there's so much there in our culture that says that recovery or healing is moving into this space where then you don't have it anymore and I that is absolute nonsense you know mm. is that it I I've, I don't experience it on a personal level 
uh, I don't experience it with clients. What we do experience is uh, we get better and better at meeting those complex and difficult parts of ourselves and, and emotions attached to them or emerging out of them um, as we walk the path, right? And we, but we have to let go of that idea of, of you know, what I would connect to the idea of heaven like we're going to get somewhere and we're going to get to this place where it's like and it's awesome you know and mm. it looks like instagram and everything's beautiful and tidy <laughs> right right we hurt ourselves with that yeah there uh mm-hmm. ram das talks about this actually where he'll say like he's talked about how he he has done years of psychotherapy was a psych psychologist or a right. psychiatrist, I don't right. remember which, um, all of his years of spiritual spirituality, all different lineages. And he's like, and none of it has removed an ounce of my neuroses. <laughs> and, <Totally. laughs> and I thought that that was interesting. And I think you're right that there is this yeah. element of like, some someone was saying that it's like 80, 20%, like you can only heal 80% and right. we become obsessed by the last 20%. And so it's like, oh, at what point are you just like, oh, this is the kind of like shape of my puzzle piece and it will always be the shape of my puzzle piece. Yes. And that's, oh, there's so much in that, Alison. It's beautiful, you know, because that is, I think, where the, the opinions and perspectives of shamanic medicine are so incredibly poignant, you know, is that we are not here to perfect ourselves. We are here to realize our in, in, innate imperfect perfection, right? Which Mm. isn't about making ourselves look like the model of a healthy, happy, whatever functional human being that maybe our culture or our family or somebody else gave us. It's about meeting ourselves as we are, you know, and Carlos Castaneda talked about this in his writings that Don Juan would teach, you know, that on the warrior's path, we're constantly seeking self-improvement, knowing we can never (laughs) self-improve. Like we are, Mm. we are this, right? And that it's, that's the 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 lack of the end game, the the removal of the expectation of like I'm doing this to get to this point. In the shamanic tradition and in all indigenous lineages that I've ever encountered, you know, the emphasis on gratitude is to say the point is right here. This is the point, this moment right now, not some future experience when we're okay, but of how well we can encounter this moment with equanimity and and look at us with all our warts and, and nonsense and, and goofiness and say, yeah, this is what I am in this world, right? And this is the cell shaped, you know, space that I am meant to occupy. And yes, I'm a mess sometimes and I'm okay with that, right? I'm also really awesome at other times and feel very aligned. And yet some part of me wants to stay there. But like another Mm -hmm. quote that I often bring in is um, from Carl Jung in my own mental processing is, you know, that every period of darkness portends an expansion of consciousness. That like every time we're going through a like, oh, this is hard then, you know, I know that there's going to be a realization coming after. And and that's the the kind of game that shamanic medicine focuses on of being a human is like, wow, isn't the game cool? Not the destination, you know, the journey, not to be super cliche, but like the, that experience of like, oh, wow, up and down. I mean, as you said at the beginning, it's like surfing, right? We're going up and we're going down and we're having this happen and then we're having this realization. And like, and it's, it's about how well we can just be in it rather than putting our mind in this future space where like everything's going to be dealt with, right? Which is an impossibility, yeah. I think. Right. I think that's the kind of part to grieve in a way is that it's like, right. you said to me um, the other day, because of all the 
I don't know how much we want to get into that now, but all the stuff I was dealing with um, from a business standpoint. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about my karmic entanglements. Like the mm-hmm. brief cliff notes is that I painted these paintings for a designer and she wouldn't, she was supposed to take pictures of them, put them in a staging and give them back. And she didn't want to give them back. And so I messaged you to be like, how do I handle this in a ethical way? Like, do I go down the road of like legal pursuit or do I, you know, let this be for a while? I just didn't know what to do, but you brought up um, that it was kind of my karmic entanglement to mm-hmm. be in positions like this. And mm-hmm. I really wanted to reject that, um, but, <laughs> but couldn't, um, sadly. But there was part of me that it's like, okay, here's the paradox that it's like, yes, maybe I feel like, maybe I consistently feel that I am being wronged or I'm the underdog, but also like my makeup is such that I am put in positions where I am the underdog. It's like all the things that make me me um, Mm -hmm. are easily going down that path that it's like, uh, I'm a black woman who is a creative. All of those communities do tend to be taken advantage of. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, you know, just because I feel that often doesn't mean it's also not really happening. And and maybe Mm -hmm. it's like, the same for you that it's like, okay, maybe your karmic predicament is to worry, but it doesn't mean that there aren't things to worry about. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm totally. saying? So it's like, how do, do you hold both of these things at the same time? Yeah. And that's, it's an amazing question. And one that you will seek the answer to in increasing levels of clarity and understanding for the rest of your life, I think, Allison, is that like, When I say a karmic entanglement, you know, people hear karma in that very simplistic, ooh, you know, karma's a bitch, it's going to get you, you're going to get punished (laughs) Mm -hmm. for something. You know, like there is such a dualistic kind of experience of karma uh, often in our culture that is not the way that I experience it at all. We are not being punished, nor are we receiving, you know, approval or, or rewards for our behavior. We are on the path of expanding consciousness in the form that we currently take. And karma is trying to go here. This is a place where you can expand consciousness, okay? And mm-hmm. so the the ability to hold the truth of your own wounds, okay? And and by offering to you, you know, like this is a karmic entanglement. It doesn't mean we don't say, "Oh, this this doesn't hurt then," or I'm not going to pay attention to um, any systems of abuse that might be happening or or circumstances where I'm certainly not being taken care of, right? That can happen, though, in the absence of another story that generally has the tone of, this always happens to me. Why is this happening for me, right? This experience that actually is, it's a thread of pain that we will find, yes, runs through our entire lifeline, you know, and maybe came even through our ancestors' lifeline. And it it seeks evidence to confirm its own existence, right? That's what these stories do. And so we can learn to not seek evidence of that while still holding an awareness of like, this is not right, or this hurts, um, and and having appropriate personal boundaries, okay? Does that make sense? It, it does. Okay, so it's it's like... 
can we sit in the suffering the, or the pain of, of what is here and, and the clarity of a circumstance that has emerged in our life without then adding suffering to it by writing or perpetuating a story that we are so accustomed to of like, oh, you know, this is happening and this always happens and I can't believe this is going on, right? That is optional. Mm. That is something we can actually train our minds out of. And this is this is a very careful path that we walk through um, you know, especially as a black woman or any person that has experienced ic- oppression or uh, systems that didn't necessarily always um, look out for their needs, right? Is because if if we just say, "Well, look, this is happening again, and this confirms my inner story," I mean that in a sense, is, is deeply, so deeply damaging to the individual because then they can't get out of their story, right? There must be an mm-hmm. option. While though, you cannot negate the pain and you cannot tell the person, come on, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. You're, you're good, you know, like that. And I hope you didn't take that. As, I'm sure I was being an asshole in the conversation, <laughs> but like, I didn't mean it like that is like, suck it up, buttercup. Like, why, you know, this is just your lot in life, Allison. Like, that is, that is such a nuanced thing. I mean, if you look at, say, the case yeah. system, in India, you know, which had that, what I'd call the spiritually informed understanding of karma, which was like, hey, every person is born into their lot in life, right? No compassion, though. It was like, oh, you're an untouchable? Like, yeah, you're just a piece of shit, and I get to treat you like that, right? Like, no Mm. compassion. No um, sense of common humanity or understanding of like, man, like, that would be painful to be born into that life circumstance, right? And I, I don't, I think that is a, a, a and, and no offense to the Indian culture, but I don't by any means agree with like the concept of a case system in terms of like just going, yep, that's just what people are supposed to be, right? And where they're mm-hmm. supposed to be. But if we err too much to the other side of going, oh my God, people, you know, are 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 unable to write a story in themselves that says, I am able to meet this circumstance or this experience with equanimity. That is the most important thing for us as sane practitioners is our ability to meet what is, right? And that mm-hmm. requires um, storytelling, re-storytelling. And it requires parenting the parts of ourselves that experienced something from the past and we didn't get the opportunity to, you know, really navigate and feel validated in our experience. But like, we can't, we can't expect to perpetuate the story and experience something different, quite honestly. Because our brain, mm. so long as the story's locked in there, it's going to find evidence of it. It doesn't matter where you go and what happens in your life, your brain will go, see, look, that just happened and that means that my story is true, Right. Right. That all makes sense. Right. It does. And that brings me to the question of this, this whole thing where it's like we're so identified with our stories and with the suffering that our stories cause that it's like to release the suffering means to release a lot of the stories that we've carried with us that make us us. Yes. So totally. it's like, do we really want to let it go. The my my mm-hmm. mom used to always say this when I was a kid. My mom my mom is a Scorpio. I feel like <laughs> a lot of the stuff <laughs> that she said to me when I was a kid, I was like, that was very young to get that message. But right. she would always say, um, no one she's like, no one does anything that they don't get pleasure from. They don't get something out of. And she was just right. like, Mother Teresa in part, does what she does because it makes her feel good. And she's like, in Mm -hmm. also negative situations, you stay in negative situations because there is a part of you that is getting something from it. And 
I think the older I get, the more I kind of see this thing that it's like, okay, there is this weird, dark pleasure from pain. Oh, totally. And so do we really want to be free from suffering? Right, right. Because then what? Well, and, and I think that I'd expand that question into big time in the sense of multiple lifetimes, Allison, and this is the way that I think I conceptualize of everything, of all of existence and certainly of, of human individual uh, identities is that, yeah, I absolutely know we want to be free. Is it the want of this lifetime? Maybe not, you know, and, or mm-hmm. next lifetime or 10 lifetimes from now? Maybe not, you know, it's not, it's not, I think, certainly as, as us on a path um, of, of spiritual awareness and, and looking at ourselves, it's not us, our job or right to, you know, assess other people and, and go, well, that person doesn't want it, you know, and what's wrong with them? Because they, they really are in the place that they need to be. And that's, that's a, that's a challenge for me forever. Cause I'm like, oh my God, here, I can, I can show you this and, and it'll make you want to, to be free of that stuff. But like that person mm-hmm. is doing exactly what they need to do at that time. Right. So I think by pulling our awareness out of other people, you know, uh, then if we want to ask ourselves that question, we're going to have a lot more um, space for clarity around the answer. And the answer, as I understand it, uh, or sort of conceptualize it, is we make the diff- or the, the choice between what you were alluding to, the pain, the familiar pain of our stories that we want because we want what we know. That is what the brain wants. It wants what it knows, no matter what. You know, even if it hurts, it wants to feel like it has control. That is the purpose of the ego as a protection mechanism, okay? So mm-hmm. we make a decision consciously to say, do I want to be free or do I want to be right? And that was a question that I used to ask myself all the time, you know, in... I mean, I still ask myself that question. And if I... If I choose wanting to be right, it is a disillusion of my protection mechanisms that I cultivated in childhood and that aren't really serving me anymore. It is an expansion of heart-centeredness that serves as a a, a guiding light, in a sense, along the path. Um, And it's this feeling of of being able to reunify, to, to move out of the the dualistic separate sort of experience of the self that is this prison we exist in into relationship back with the world. Right. And, and so, yeah, I do believe that people want to be free. I think that we have to practice that question and practice leaping. Right. And I mean, as we've talked about, this is the leap into the unknown. We're moving from what we know, which is our old stories into uh, an abyss, right? There's nothing there yet. And we are making that path by walking it. And it is terrifying because the brain doesn't want to do that. It says, you know, no, last time you tried to do this, somebody hurt you or or shit went sideways. Like, it's not a a good idea, right? So we, we have to practice jumping. We have to practice doing little, little tiny things that are uncomfortable for us in order to make these big leaps out of our story. And I know for a fact that when people experience the connectedness that we feel with nature, with each other, with our bodies, through making those leaps, that then is like, oh my God, I just, I want more of that. You know, and, and maybe that's the position I'm in now where I'm like, <laughs> I think I should stop having so much of it all the time or like calm myself yeah. down a bit or something. Like I don't have to always pursue that, but but it the the drive, we referenced this before, 
the learning and the drive um, behind our learning comes out of the heart center instead of the liver. You know, we're no longer trying to seek to control, which is this mechanism of the liver energy in the third chakra. We are seeking to connect and seeking to serve, which is this mechanism of the heart. And there's this unlimited kind of energy there that that drives a, a different kind of um, kind of path and experience. Does that all make sense? Mm, it does. It, it's a the tricky part to me. I think because I am a person who tends to think about other people so much and not in the like yeah. mother Teresa, how can I serve way in the like how is everyone what's wrong, out what's to wrong get with me you kind of way. <laughs> good good so it's 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 tricky because there's part of me that it's like I do and I'm sure the answer is some combination of both but it's I find mm-hmm. that it, it is very tr- tricky for me to navigate you know how much focused put on myself that isn't self-centered mm-hmm. but actually mm-hmm. just kind of like you know maybe I maybe maybe serving other people is getting completely together and right with myself and right. I, I don't know it's like I think that there is a way to to go into like helping professions or or service-based yeah. roles with the idea of like I'm going to help everybody else uh, because then it'll make things easier for me. Yes, totally. I mean, the ego co-ops all processes if it can, Allison, and it'll co-op service, it'll co-opt compassion, it'll co-opt, you name it. Um, I mean, when I say being in service, I I guess I have a a very, um, I don't even know how to describe it because I don't think of myself as a particularly generous person. (laughs) So, I mean, I think about myself a lot. Those of you who, you know, are human design uh, aficionados, I am a, a deep and, and unwavering one three. You know, I, I'm totally stuck in my own experience of the world. And so when I think of service, it is in a, a sense a shamanic, um, a shamanic kind of understanding of that or what I feel is a shamanic understanding, which is I'm being myself. And that is service to the world in that I'm not I'm not inflicting my as best as I can my wounds on other people or my sense of fulfillment on other people, and I'm answering mm-hmm. yes when people show up and say, "Can you help me?" to the best of my ability. And and this is again the the challenge that I sort of face and like how do I how do I navigate that all the time? But mm-hmm. um, I don't wake up in the morning going, "Oh my God, I'm going to go fix people!" Like this is great, and I'm going to go mm-hmm. help everybody right because. I don't do anything as as absurd as that seems as a therapist, as a practitioner. I don't do anything in a person's healing process. They are doing everything. My job is to be present as a midwife for their emergent process, you know, in the Mm. same way that a midwife is present in a birth. She doesn't do the birth, right? A good midwife Mm. is there saying, I am holding this and being me fully so that you feel held in your process, right? That's all I'm doing is being me fully. And I think of that as service in the same way that I think that, you know, and, and other organized organisms in the world don't think about this, but a dog is itself fully, a cat is itself fully, you know, a, a deer, a river, all of these things in our world do not doubt themselves. And I think that that's the greatest form of service. So, yeah, I do think that looking at ourselves can be, I mean, 
I certainly can go into obsessive navel gazing and, and self obsession, but so long as you're doing an adequate amount of shadow work and you know uncomfortable self processing, um, I think that it it serves as the mechanism to come into your individuated self, and then you're going to come into contact with your gifts more fully. You're going to know how they want to show up in the world, and you're going to give them, and and the world is going to say, "Look, there's an Allison being the Allison that she needs to be," and and we're and you get into right relationship right this this reciprocity mm. of going my job is to be me and the world responds back in terms of how much i'm offering right and there's mm. there's faith in that and a and a loss of anxiety and and all sorts of stuff and ultimately the ego is is the healthy ego can take over and the neurotic ego is is not needed in the same way right because we're we've processed enough of our wounds i suppose that we're not trying to protect them anymore mm. So what do you feel like is your next step forward with this kind of busyness and worry? Is it kind of like, okay, deepening into CL now? Or is it kind mm. of like, oh, CL is changing into a different something? Mm. Mm-hmm. And that is very much what I've felt in the last while, which is like, I can, it's... um it's like almost this, I mean, it's a premonitory sense for sure, but it's like this feeling I can feel coming in my body and and it um, is so linked to this this fear that's coming up, right? I, I think as I've referenced before, and you and I have certainly talked about, when we work with these old parts of ourselves that are still carrying this unprocessed, unintegrated pain, um, they come with the pain, but they come with the gifts too. And I can feel what she comes with and Oh my God, like she, I was a really lighthearted kid. I was, I was completely, my mom would always say, she was just like, I, you know, you were just like this lovely, happy little being. Like from the time I was born, I was just like, I, I flew out in 20 minutes and she was just like, you'd never cried. You were never upset. Like I was just like, Hey, I'm here and I'm here to have a really good time. And I mean, as I think I, I offered in a previous podcast, like um, teachers that I've had said that I still thought that I was a tree spirit for the first eight years of my life or so, seven, eight years, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought that I belonged and I was happy and I was content and, and, and you know, I, I didn't have um, this sense of like being a human doing, you know, I, I was, I was much better at just being a human being and playing and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I know that my children guide me into the next phase of of what needs to happen and like I need to follow their direction more. Um, it's just a navigation right now of like, how do I offer as much as possible, you know, and be me as much as possible, um, but also set boundaries and, and create some balance around like, am I dancing enough? Am I having enough joy with my son and, and making enough art projects and that kind of stuff, you know? And, and that's, mm-hmm. it is a constant um, re-navigation of, of what's needed, right? I think as long as we're not seeking that end state, you know, and, and that still after 15 years on the path, I can find myself going, oh, I, oh man, okay, this again, you know, and, but it, it's so fleeting now. And instead it's this feeling of like, okay, so I'm being called into a new level of understanding, you know, how well can I meet this? And, and in that is, it's not this beautiful, easy process. Still, there's grief involved with every transition. 
And that is something we really need to acknowledge and love about our humanity in this in this incarnation is that like we do not change without grief. And that's okay. That's how it's supposed to go, right? We need to get good at grief. And and you know, like laying in bed last night and I had a really good cry because I was just like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. Um, and, but I let myself, you know, like I wasn't like, oh, I'm not allowed to do this or, you know, I, you should feel bad about crying. Like I, I can feel the, the emergent process happening. It doesn't feel pleasant, you know, but I know that it has its own purpose and, and meaning and, and it's not up to me to assess what that is right now. Um, it's mm-hmm. up to me to, to surrender to that process of it. Right. And I mean, this is when I find the cards invaluable or any cards invaluable in my life is when it's like, there's a part of me that wants to control the process, of course, right? And Mm -hmm. instead I want something else and it will generally be my body, my children, um, the cat shitting on my bed, I think is is part of it. (laughs) Just kidding. That's not part of it at all. And if he ever does it again, (laughs) seriously. Um, But uh, like, or, you know, pulling a card and going, okay, I need some like insight medicine right now, you know, or an animal that crosses my path or whatever, talking to the wind Mm -hmm. or having the wind speak to me um, so that I can come back into a, a, a different conceptualization of what's happening that is not rooted in my, you know, linear left brain going, ah, how do we make this make sense, right? Does it all make sense? Right. Yeah, it does. And it's like there is a certain process that you participate in, and then there's a certain process that it's like you in, invite in. That's like, am I hearing this right? Totally. Or it's like totally. this kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and again, the ego mind says that sounds like hell to to let go and actually believe <laughs> yeah. that there's some some beauty Support. in this process, right? And yes, yeah. and and that I'm going to be held and and I mean this is this oh the the ever present perpetual question of human healing, you know, is like is when we have experienced true wounding, true damage to our, our self and our, our way of being, right? We want to acknowledge the, the the source of that wounding and 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 validate it and help a person stay there, but not keep them there, right? We want to then be able to get them into yes. the space where they can open up to the unfolding of their process and the emerging of themselves and go, okay, but there is some there's some beauty in here. And like that is the the biggest question, you know, as I'm sitting with a, a client, sitting with myself, going, is what's needed here this validation and and support in the emotional processing of it? Or is it a little push and a poke to go, hey, you know, like, I mean, when you called me the other day, it was a poke, right? And it, I'm sure, didn't feel particularly comfortable. But those, like, that's the the practice is figuring out when do we pause and sit and and mother, and when do mm-hmm. we go into action and father, right? And and right. do both of those in a healthy way. And that's as a, a tricky and complex process for sure for all of us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Should we How's pull a card? Good? Yeah, I think so. Let's oh, do like it. to pull a card. I, I think I mentioned on um, a previous podcast, but just to let people know again, because I have been getting the deck into quite a few more um, stores, which is really exciting. But if you have bought the deck and you came to the podcast um, through the deck, 
um, please sign up on the knowing.ca uh, as I will be putting out a couple new cards and I want to make sure that people know when they can um, get that and the the new deck will be available so soon mm. yes mm-hmm. Um, the card has has actually come up for us before. It's hummingbird tiger oh. lily. Oh, nice! A little early for our hummingbird season. I think we got about two and a half feet of snow here. I don't think we'll be seeing oh, them boy. anytime soon. <laughs> anytime but soon? It, no, but I, you know, it, like that one. Actually, oddly, I was talking to my son about hummingbirds. He loves hummingbirds. Um, yesterday. And we were talking about them coming back and them making their flight from South America and stuff. And and I think, I mean, I'll take that card as a as a beautiful offering in the space that I'm in, you know, relating to I need to consciously be seeking joy, you know, and I get in so mm. much joy through work and and being busy and doing all these things I love to do, but there's a difference between the joy we feel, the enjoyment we feel from accomplishing things, from the like the joy of just being, right? Like when I'm with my yes. son or my daughter, it's just like, it's just joy. Like we don't have to do anything, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's just there. And that is the medicine of hummingbird and 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 definitely something that I will receive um with great gratitude from the deck. Thanks for pulling that, Allison. Yes, of course. I I feel like that is a that's something that I think that I constantly am trying to figure out that it's like, I deserve joy and pleasure just because, and yeah. not because of any accomplishments or whatever I did to achieve or deserve it. It's just like, we are all yes owed it. Yeah. If that's... yeah. Well, it's it's our birthright, you know. I mean, even to yeah. say that that I think we're owed it is like this. It it sets up a dualism between us and the universe. You know, it is what the mm. universe is, right? I mean, you watch any right. other animal; they play. They they play right up until the day they die, generally. You know, unless they're physically mm. really uncomfortable. But like they they have joy. Birds, you know, like one of my favorite things in the world is to watch birds crows or ravens like surfing um airwaves you know and and vents Mm -hmm. up in the sky and they're just playing like they're not doing it for any purpose they're just having joy and and we have this amazing technological life experience as human beings in the modern world but it's I mean, again, I'm so susceptible to this of like, okay, email and doing and getting stuff done and and being in that state of accomplishment, which brings enjoyment, you know, and and I I really do enjoy the the differentiation between pleasure and enjoyment in that enjoyment is that we are orienting, you know, our our choices and our activities towards a very conscious goal and and we want to accomplish it. And it's, it's a good feeling. Enjoyment's a good feeling, right? But pleasure, which is just like in this moment, can I enjoy or have pleasure in the feeling of the wind on my skin or the sun? Like that is, is something deeply sacred. And I think it is innate to being a human being. We have to practice remembering it. And it's, mm. it's hard because there's a lot of things that, we're told that we need to worry about all the time right now, right? And a lot of mm. stuff that we want to do and and that's all beautiful, yes. but like it's that balance of actually stopping and going, look at this amazing flower or, uh, you know, this incredible child or this beautiful day or whatever and just seizing that. Carpe diem, motherfuckers. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, we have to end it there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Ha, 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 ha.
The Knowing is an IntelliKey production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Northern Sequipnik people. All music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is. (laughs) 